This is Dr. Carissa Hines of Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. Information without understanding is not very helpful. Talk with the doctor and feel like you're talking to a friend. Good morning, good morning, good morning. You are listening live to Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. I am your host, Dr. Carissa. Happy, happy, happy day to you all. So um, as you all know, we were off for the Thanksgiving break and I decided to extend my break and uh, was off last week as well. And so we are back. I'm happy to be back on the airwaves with you all. I hope that you all had happy holidays Um, I myself, um, I think I was telling you all that I was going to um, go home for Thanksgiving, home to Virginia um, for Thanksgiving, and this would be my first time going home in two years, of course, um, due to the pandemic. So, you know, I wasn't really traveling um, and didn't see my family, and so I hadn't seen my parents in almost two years, so the last time that we were physically together was... um, early January 2020, we celebrated the new year together. And so it was so, so great um, to be in my hometown of um, Norfolk, Virginia, Virginia Beach, Virginia, and to see my family. And so I hope that you all had happy holidays. I I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving as well. Um, Like many of you, this time of year is one of my favorite times of year. Um, People just seem to be kinder. And, you know, I just like all the decorations and just the extra effort that we all take um, to make things nice. And I really wish that we, um, in the words of of A Christmas Carol, I really wish that we could keep Christmas um, all year round. That would be awesome. Now, so I um, think that, you know, I hope that we have a great holiday season coming, um, you know, because of course, you know, Thanksgiving is kind of the opening act, if you will, uh, and Christmas is coming. And I hope that we all have a, a very happy and safe and prosperous um, holiday season, because I think given all that we all have been through all around the world, I think that we are are due, if if anybody's asking my opinion, I think that we are definitely due for some good times. So as we always do, we start our show with our shout outs. Shout out to my number one fan. Hey, mom, I hope that you are having a fantastic morning this morning. Shout out to family in Norfolk, Virginia, Virginia Beach, Virginia, Houston, Texas, Fort Campbell, Kentucky, Charlotte, North Carolina, Latson, South Carolina, Macon, Georgia, Pensacola, Florida, Center, Alabama, Chesapeake, Virginia, Seattle, Washington, Washington, D.C., Centerville, Virginia, Columbia, South Carolina, Phoenix, Arizona, San Antonio, Texas, Fayetteville, North Carolina, Opelika, Alabama, Lusby, Maryland, Newport News, Virginia, Temecula, California, Cedar Bluff, Alabama, College Park, Georgia, Hobbs, New Mexico, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, Oxford, North Carolina, Woodbridge, Virginia, Gadsden, Alabama, Hampton, Virginia, Columbus, Georgia, Memphis, Tennessee, Las Vegas, Nevada, Baltimore, Maryland, Belize City, Belize, and Greenwood, Mississippi. If you are listening from anywhere that you are listening from, shout out, uh-oh, shout out to um, to our Facebook page and tell me where you are listening from. 
and I will shout your city out the next time we are on the air. As I said, we are broadcasting live from our studio here in Atlanta, WWE Real 1100 AM. Uh, we also stream this show in on, on www.real1100.com. And you can watch us on Facebook on the Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa Facebook page. Um, we just had a little technical glitch there for a minute. So to my Facebook listeners, sorry about that. But we're back, it looks like, uh, back on. So hey to my Facebook family. Uh, we are a part of a radio networks, uh, the Old Fashioned Health Network, which is based here in Atlanta. And we are a part of the Takeover Vegas radio family, which broadcasts outside, out of Las Vegas, Nevada. So you can find us, you know, catch the rebroadcast. So this show uh, from Atlanta, we broadcast on every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And on the TuneIn Radio Takeover Vegas 22.3 station, we broadcast on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 12 noon Pacific Time. So you can catch us uh, anytime you want to, really. Uh, and of course, there are rebroadcasts on our Facebook page. So if you miss our live show, you can go to our Facebook page. Please like and share uh, the page and um, and you can listen anytime you like. Right. So we also have our YouTube channel, Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. And so let's see. Follow us on social media. Tell everyone about our show. Tell people, tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, tell people you like, tell people you don't like. Anybody that will listen to you, please share about our show here. We are trying to broaden our reach, broaden our outreach, um, and help as many people to empower themselves about their health and wellness, as many people as we possibly can. That is my goal. So on social media, we are Facebook, Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa, on Instagram at Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa, and on Twitter at Minutes Doctor. So... In keeping with the good news, your favorite health and wellness show, this one, uh, has been nominated for several awards. The 22.3 Takeover Vegas Radio is presenting their third annual radio awards, and this show is nominated for Favorite Talk Show, the People's Choice Award, Radio Personality of the Year, the Lit Award, Best New Radio Personality, the Team Spirit Award, Sexist Ra Sexiest Radio Voice, and Favorite Variety Show. Um, you can vote for this show by texting Carissa, C-A-R-I-S-A, to 702-872-1080. You can vote as many times as you like. It's free to vote. Um, so please give us your support. And the awards will be, um, will be announced in March of 2022. So we only have a few more months uh, left of voting. And so I think I may do... Um, may do like some Facebook live something or other from from the award ceremony that would be pretty cool to share that moment with you all provided that I win right otherwise I'm gonna have to come up and you know say that it was an honor to be nominated which it is but you know winning is nice too just saying right all righty <clears throat> this segment has been brought to you by Freeman Moore Medical Consultants your premier disability 
consultant service. If you are interested in pursuing disability or you've been denied disability and want to do an appeal, Freeman Moore Medical Consultants is here to help you. Uh, you may find them on the web at www.freemanmoremedical.com. All righty, as we always do, going into our COVID update. So here we are. We're just going to give some numbers for today. So here we are. Globally, we are at 266.5 million cases uh, that have resulted in an unfortunate 5.3 million deaths. In the United States, we're at 49 million cases that have resulted in an unfortunate 783,000 deaths. Uh, and in terms of vaccination, 8 billion doses have been administered around the world. That's billion with a B. Uh, and in this country, uh, 273 million people have received at least one dose of a vaccine regimen, be that the Pfizer, Moderna, or Johnson & Johnson. Uh, 199 million of us are fully vaccinated, and that represents 60.4%. And of course, when we talk about herd immunity, we need to get to about 80%. So we are not there yet, but I hope that uh, soon we will get there. And of course, um, you know, the new regimen is, is recommending a booster shot or a third dose. And 48 million of us Americans have had that, and that represents 14.8%. We're going to take a brief break. And when we come back from the break, we will talk about the new variant, the new kid on the block, on the COVID block, the Omicron variant. I am Dr. Carissa Hines, your host of Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa, and we will be right back after a brief break. Just for Pets Wellness Center reminds old-fashioned health listeners and pet owners to never leave pets unattended inside a parked vehicle, not even for a quick errand. Temperatures can rise to dangerous levels fast. Visit our website for more information at www.just4petsfl.vet or give us a call at 239-270-5721. Be sure to listen to The Wellness Enclave with Dr. Donna Sewell, a podcast that explores emotional health and its impact on everyday life. In the Enclave, we will address emotional health and how it is connected to other parts of your life, such as physical health, relationships, spirituality, and even decision-making. The Wellness Enclave with Dr. Sewell can be found on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Welcome back. Welcome back. You are listening to Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. I am your host, Dr. Carissa Hines. And today, 
excuse me. Today, I decided that we would talk about the Omicron variant of COVID-19. So, you know, I, I was thinking about that and I was like, you know, I leave the air for a couple of weeks and then all of a sudden all of this new stuff is just exploding everywhere and so much to talk about. So I said, let's talk about that today. So I don't have a guest for today. You all will have to just endure with just me. And thank you so much for coming along with us. So let's talk about Omicron, right? So this is the newest variant of COVID-19, um, which is by all accounts, is posed to become the dominant variant, dethroning the current dominant variant, the Delta variant. So when we talk about these variants and we talk about the dominant variant, right? So as we know, um, there are, and there have been ever since the first variant appeared, there has been more than one variant in existence at the same time. Um, so, for example, when we first started talking about the Delta variant, um, we know that there was at least six or seven other variants that were in existence and causing infection, but they were not causing infection at a, at a rate that caused them to be um, named a variant of concern, right? So if you have, you know, five or six variants out, one of them will be causing more trouble, let's say, right? So it will be causing more infection or more hospitalizations and unfortunately more deaths. And then that becomes the, the variant of concern on its way to becoming the dominant variant. So that's how we determine when we're talking about um, dominance, that's how we determine that. So, uh, you know, the Omicron variant was um, first reported to the World Health Organization, the WHO, uh, on November 24th, 2021, so just before Thanksgiving. Um, it was first detected in um, specimens that were collected in Botswana and in South Africa. Um, and at first, the first case was described um, or confirmed on December 1st, 2021. And I believe that first case was out of California. Um, and this was in an individual who had recently traveled from South Africa, if I remember correctly. So where has this variant been detected thus far? Um, thus far, the Omicron variant has been detected in 21 states in the United States, including Georgia and 57 countries worldwide. As a result of this new variant, many countries are once again imposing some travel restrictions. So taking you all back to early 2020, right? When, or mid 2020, when the whole world, you know, before we had the vaccine and all of this stuff, um, you know, that the country, the whole world essentially shut down because, people were traveling from place to place and may have been infected and, you know, were spreading the virus there and here and there and everywhere, wherever they were going. Um, and so once again, you know, we have um, become on, on the precipice of concern um, about the Omicron variant doing the exact same thing. So, for example, I'll, I'll give you all an example of, of the, the concern on the world stage. Um, looking at Germany, 
So Germany has reinstated uh, curfew and lockdown procedures. Um, this lockdown, however, is imposed on the unvaccinated. So that's a little different twist. Um, whereas before it was everybody um, is, you know, restricted, you know, everybody was in their bubble. Um, but now because we are seeing spread of COVID um, more so amongst the unvaccinated, although there are a few breakthrough cases um, that are happening amongst the vaccinated, by and large, like at 99% or so um, of new cases of COVID are happening in unvaccinated individuals. So Germany is taking some very, very drastic steps um, to, um, you know, to try and stop the spread of this new variant. So on the unvaccinated, according to a CNN report, unvaccinated people in Germany will be banned from accessing all but the most essential businesses, um, notably supermarkets and pharmacies. And under these tightened restrictions, unvaccinated people can only meet with two people from another household. I don't know how they're going to monitor that, but we'll stay tuned and find out, right? Bars and nightclubs must shut down in areas of high incidence rates. So if your community has a high rate of spread or a high number of new cases, um, all of the fun stuff is getting is getting shut down because, again, we don't want people to gather and therefore spread the virus from person to person. Uh, limits will also be placed in Germany on the number of people who can attend um, social events. So, you know, concerts, sporting events, soccer is a big deal there. Um, and that was one of the things that was mentioned um, as one of the events that would be would be shut down um, in high incidence areas. Germany is also planning to initiate a nationwide mandatory vaccine requirement starting in February of 2022. This is still being debated in their parliament and uh, requires a majority vote in order for it to go into effect. <clears throat> But these are um, the very, very drastic steps um, that this country, that Germany is taking um, in order to um, in order to stop the Omicron from from really taking taking hold there. So what do you all think about that? Right. What would that look like here in the United States? Personally, I don't think that that would ever really work out well um, because um, you know we all have been under these mandates one in one way or another for the past two years and a lot there's a lot of COVID fatigue happening out there right I know I'm tired of it and I'm sure you all are too tired of having to wear the mask tired of not being able to go to this place that place or the other place and so, you know, I don't think and then from a political standpoint. So here is the, the twist in Germany. Their chancellor, Angela Merkel, is retiring, actually. So she does not have any anything to lose politically, if you will, um, by imposing these these mandates. Right. Because it's not like she's standing up for reelection. So 
it doesn't matter if you would vote for her because that's not going to be an option. Whereas here, you know, unfortunately, the political calculus um, really does and has unfortunately um, played a lot into how we have approached um, the, the public health interests in terms of how we deal with COVID-19. Um, you know, of course, you know, masking and not being able to go places has been tremendously unpopular um, all across the board. I, I won't even say, you know, through Democratic or Republican, I think that everybody hates it. Um, but more, some people are, are more resistant to it than others. I'll, I'll put it that way. And so, you know, there's a political calculation that if I support this, um, this enforcement of mandating vaccines, you know, then I won't be reelected when it comes to be my turn. Um, and so I think that that is a lot of what is driving our COVID policy here. But getting back to, um, you know, what's going on in the United States in light of the Omicron spread, um, the U.S. is imposing um, some regulations here. So um, one of the things is a proof of negative test one day prior to re-entering the United States. Um, so if you travel abroad, you will have to find somewhere to get yourself tested. And of course, you will need to check with the State Department website to see which types of tests are acceptable and which aren't, um, because that has been um, that has been a, a little uh, wrinkle in the works, if you will, that some COVID tests are not accepted, um, even if they're negative positive, doesn't matter. So you want to make sure that you're getting the right type of test that will be accepted. And I hope that your test is negative. And so you'll have to do that a day before re-entering the United States from a foreign country. Um, and then, of course, you know, the U.S. has imposed a travel ban um, where you cannot fly into or out of the United States to certain countries. And so that is coming as well. Um, going back to travel in addition to or as an alternate to having testing the one day prior, you would have to show proof of recent COVID infection within the last 90 days and recovery uh, from that infection. So you would have to have proof of a negative test following a infection um, there. So what does that really, really mean? So as I have reported um, what is all of, what all, what is all this about, right? So as I have reported before, um, all viruses mutate in order to survive. That is what they do, right? So the way viruses work, they require a host in order to replicate, right? In order to multiply themselves. And then that host will then spread it to other hosts. And so the virus gets to survive by going from host to host to host to host. In this case, the hosts are humans, are us, right? So from person to person to person, this is how COVID is allowed to survive. Now, once we put up roadblocks to COVID or to any virus, but since we're talking about COVID, um, the virus will change or mutate and become just slightly different right so not it doesn't become a whole brand new variant it may change one thing so um just to to put it into simpler terms imagine COVID as a person right 
and in order to and so you know you see this person you recognize this person you know what this person looks like right but once it is recognized and you say you know we don't want we don't want this per this person around right that person may then disguise themselves ever so slightly so they may change their hair color let's say and become slightly different so it's still the same person just with a slight change so that's what what it looks like when a virus changes so it's not becoming a brand spanking new virus it's just changed one little thing about itself um, in an attempt to survive and replicate and continue to survive and so that's what all of these variants are right they are just the very very slight mutations um, that the virus undergoes in order to survive so you know that happens in every in just about every virus and so i will give you a common example is the flu virus so that is why the flu vaccine is different every year because there is a different strain of the virus that comes into existence. So in the case of, of COVID-19, um, each new variant or mutation makes the virus more virulent. So what does virulent mean? That means it's infectivity. So how easily it is to catch the virus and also how sick it makes the host. So what we saw from the original COVID, from COVID OG, I guess you'll call it, right, to the Delta variant, we saw that the Delta variant was more virulent, meaning that it was easier to catch and people got sicker when they did catch it. So just to give you, um, to put that into term into time terms the original covid um, took about five to seven days from the time of infection to the time that symptoms would appear when you actually felt sick right but with the delta variant we saw that time shortened to two to three days so you would get infected with the delta variant and within three days if you were infected within three days you would be sick so that is the, the fear in the medical community that as each, variant, as each variant becomes more virulent, and that is really a tongue twister, um, that people will become sicker faster and more severely ill when they do become sick. At this time, we don't know how virulent Omicron is because it's brand new, it's only a couple weeks old, right? Um, but it is uh, in comparison to the Delta variant. So I don't know. The, the theory is that it would be more virulent. Um, and, and that's the, the scary part of it. Um, but we don't know that. We haven't confirmed that as of yet. Um, scientists in South Africa who, you know, first discovered this um, are of the mindset that the Omicron variant does appear to be more transmissible. Right. Um, and so a virus's virulence also pertains to how easily it spreads from one host to the next, from person to person. So Omicron appears to be spreading faster than previous versions um, of COVID-19. 
And, and we are seeing that because, as I said, on December 1st, it was discovered in California in one case, and now we're at 20-some states that, um, that now have uh, Omicron being detected in, in samples. And so it is only, what is it, t- December 9th, so in eight days, um, you know, this has spread to almost half the country. So that's, that's pretty, pretty quick. So we're going to take a brief break and pause here. And when we come back, we'll talk about some potential good news um, to share in light of, of this new variant. I am Dr. Carissa Hines. You are listening to Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa, and we'll be right back. Hi there, healthy people. Do you have a healthy product or service? If you are a certified medical professional, fitness trainer, author, or chef, Old Fashioned Health would love to promote your services or product on the Old Fashioned Health radio show. Please reach out to us. Call 404-793-3960 or email us at oldfashionedhealth at gmail.com. You can also contact us at oldfashionedhealth.com. Old Fashioned Health, good health inside and out. This is Alvin. And this is Edmund. On the Old Fashioned Health Show. Tune in each Friday from 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. And listen to us live on iHeartRadio or the Real 1100 app. Where we talk about healthy information, products, and or services. And get some old school music in. On the Real 1100. Welcome back. If you are just tuning in, you are listening live to Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. I am your host, Dr. Carissa Hines, and today we are talking about COVID-19 and more specifically talking about this new kid on the block, the Omicron variant. So as I was saying in the last segment, um, as a virus mutates, um, it becomes more virulent, meaning that it is easily, more easily transmitted from person to person, and in theory, more deadly, in theory. However, um, what we are seeing is that that is not necessarily true. Now, granted, Omicron is only a couple of weeks old, and so the data is still pouring in. So is there any good news in light of this news about this new variant? So again, um, Omicron seems just like Delta to be coming out blazing from both barrels, right? So it is highly virulent, meaning that it is easily transmitted, more easily transmitted, and in theory makes people sicker when they get it. 
But then there is the second barrel with Omicron that there is a thought that perhaps it is capable of evading immunity. So when we talked about um, how um, immunizations work and basically how the body's immunity works, right, that the body will see this foreign invader and will develop antibodies towards it. And those antibodies are the body's memory, if you will. Um, And so if it sees it again, it says, oh, I remember you don't belong here. And it will send out all of the immune cells to fight off that foreign invader. All right. So that's how that works. But the thought with Omicron is that perhaps it is able to evade that immunity. So either whether or not you have had vaccination or whether you have had previous infection, Omicron seems to not care. That's the thought. But the upside of that is that so far, and again, it's only been a couple of weeks, so far it appears to be less lethal, um, according to a researcher at the Gladstone Institutes in San Francisco. So what does that mean? Um, I'll give you an example. In the Guateng province in South Africa, uh, the cases are doubling every day with 75% of new infections being due to the Omicron variant. There is also a week by week increase in the number of hospitalizations that are happening as a result of this infection. However, and here is the optimism here, there so far has not seemed to be an increase in the number of deaths as a result of infection from Omicron. So that's a good thing, right? And there also seems to be no increase in the number of hospitalized persons requiring supplemental oxygen. So either being on the ventilator or requiring oxygen by the nasal cannula, which are the little two prongs. If you've seen it on TV, the little two prongs that go in the nose with the tube. So that is a good thing because of course, with the original COVID and with the Delta variant, um, you know, we did see um, increasing numbers of hospitalizations, but we also saw increasing uh, numbers of deaths and of those who were hospitalized, many, many depended upon Uh, supplemental oxygen in some form, either by the nasal cannula or by ventilator. And so I will hearken you all back to um, what was going on with India, that they were so overrun with the Delta variant that they ran out of ventilators and people were coming to the hospital. They were telling them, we don't have any oxygen for you, so you're going to have to bring your own, which is just wild just to say the least right um that you have to bring your own stuff your own supplies to the hospital because the hospital supply ran short and couldn't get any um so we are not seeing that so far with omicron and that is very very good news um, because as i said that is always the worry when we see a new variant that it's going to really really come in and and wreak havoc on an already strained hospital system So a question that someone asked me about Omicron, what if I'm vaccinated? 
because we have been and I will continue to um, state that vaccination is a good thing and is a way to protect yourself from these variants, right? Now, talking about vaccination, so just to to clear this up, because people's like, you know, I'm vaccinated, so I can't get it. Uh, Not exactly. What the goal is with vaccination from COVID is to keep you from dying. Now, the added bonus would be to protect you from getting infected in the first place. Yes. But the not dying piece is definitely a plus. Right. So as I stated, the initial concern um, or maybe even the prevailing concern is that Omicron would evade immunity, uh, meaning that the vaccine wouldn't protect those who have been immunized or previous infection wouldn't protect people who have been immunized. Um, But that is looking like it's not entirely true. So it's being reported in the New York Times um, and in a very small study. And when we talked about how these studies are are developed and how they become valid, you have to have a large number of people um, to participate in it. So that way you can believe that you could replicate that data. So in a very, very small study, it's just something to talk about, but not a whole lot to hang your hat on yet. Um, So this small study. Um, showed that Omicron does seem to, quote unquote, dull the power of the Pfizer vaccine. And this was the only only vaccine sample that was studied um, in this study. Um, But that those who've received a booster might have better protection. So this data suggests that even the vaccinated may be vulnerable to what we call breakthrough infections. And so, you know, in some of these other states, there have been cases reported of people who have received um, at least two doses of their vaccine um, of the Pfizer product who still then get a COVID infection that is due to Omicron. So that is that is happening. That is a thing. Right. It is entirely possible that that is happening. And then there is also a, a growing suggestion Um, that a fourth booster shot may be required. This is just conversation that hasn't been been made into a recommendation as of yet. Um, But if these variants keep happening, um, eventually a variant will come into existence. And this is just my theory that immunization won't really help with. And that is why we want to stop the spread. Um, and, and it's kind of the same with, I don't know if you all have heard about um, antibiotics that are resistant um, or, I'm sorry, bacteria that are resistant to antibiotics. And it's kind of the same, the same thing, but slightly different um, where, you know, you have these bacteria, these viruses that get smarter Um, And of course, because they want to survive. And so they learn how to evade, um, evade all of the treatments and immunizations and and so on and so forth. Um, So, of course, there will be ongoing research. And as I know more, then I will report that for you all. So the next uh, next question that somebody asked me, what if I'm unvaccinated? Well, bottom line just you know straight no chaser you're unprotected you're unprotected from 
all of it from all of the variants right um and so you know you most certainly if you are an unvaccinated individual you are at risk for all of the bad things that COVID brings um you know hospitalization possible intubation and then of course the worst possible outcome death that is that is still a a reality for you in a chance that you are taking in being unvaccinated um, hospitalizations in the United States are still on the rise. They're still up. They're not rising at the rate that they were, let's say, early early fall, early winter of last year, right? But they are still, still on the rise, um, but mostly in the United States due to the Delta variant still. But, you know, more data will come in, more numbers will come in. As I've said, Omicron is brand spanking new. So we'll have to see what these numbers look like. So talking about hospitalizations, and, and, and this is one of the things that I want to really, really um, share and stress with you all, um, that hospitalizations with these new variants that come, um, they're kind of made worse now than they were before. And how is that when you've just told me that Omicron isn't killing people and isn't hospitalizing people as much as before? So here we go. There are staff shortages in hospitals all across this country. And if you know anyone in healthcare, they will tell you the same thing, right? Um, there are staff shortages because of illness and because of um, resistance to vaccine mandates. <clears throat> Excuse me. So as we talked about, you know, several, several shows ago um, that the federal government started mandating vaccination for federal employees. And as I predicted, once the federal government put this mandate in place, the private sector would follow suit. Right. And so, you know, there have been um, many challenges in the courts to these vaccine mandates. And so far, the Supreme Court is saying that it is constitutional and therefore employers, including the federal government, have the legal right to impose these mandates. But lawsuits will still come, right? But more and more of the private sector, and particularly in healthcare, are mandating vaccination as a condition of continued employment. This is happening in hospitals where I work. And, you know, the discussions have been very, very lively uh, where some people are just saying, you know, well, I will just quit. So you already have um, people leaving health care, um, leaving the healthcare industry. Right. So there is one, the resistance to vaccine mandates. So people are, are quitting because they don't want to get vaccinated. They don't want to be told that they have to be vaccinated for this, which is um, a little unusual for me because I will tell you that we in healthcare, from the moment you enter, even in school, you are mandated to be vaccinated for some things. So I remember way back a million years ago when I entered med school that I had to be vaccinated for what hepatitis I think was one. Um, of course, you had to get your flu vaccine and there might have been been a couple others and you had to show proof of this vaccination, either that you had it done, you know, before you got there. And if you didn't have it done, then you had to have it done 
um, once you got there. So, you know, being told that you have to have certain vaccines in order to work and learn in healthcare is really not anything new, but people are really, really digging their heels in the sand about this COVID vaccine. So you have people quitting, right? But then also um, with illness, um, in the Americas, uh, there have been about 570,000 healthcare workers who have been infected with COVID, and about 4,000 of those have died. So let's look at the impact of that, right? So if you have one worker, one healthcare worker, and it doesn't matter what department you are in, one person um, with COVID infection, let's say, they have to be out of work for 10 to 14 days. So that could be anywhere up to six to 10 shifts that that person is not there and cannot be there, right? And so, of course, we know, you know, with certain healthcare jobs, it's not like they can just hire these replacements on the spot because, one, we don't know if someone's going to be out, when they're going to be out. And then there's an onboarding process that can take anywhere up to a week to 30 days to 60 days in some cases for you to be hired on, right? So there's some lag time there in, in replacing a healthcare worker. It is not just a plug and play type situation. So that leaves an incredible gap in the staffing, right? From just that one person. So now imagine the impact of having five people in a department infected, 10 people in a department infected, right? And that's not even to say, you know, if heaven forbid they die, you know, because at least with the infected person, the anticipation is that they will come back. Hopefully they come back fully, you know, fully healed and don't have to then go out because of any long haul or long COVID um, type situation where they just aren't able to work anymore. Because that's another reason that people are leaving healthcare is because of disability um, as well. <clears throat> so imagine the impact on those who are left behind to pick up the slack, right? So they are working longer hours and more shifts, right? Or they are being pulled to other units where they don't work. And I will say this, um, you know, not all of us are the same. So if you have a NICU nurse, a, a neonatal intensive care unit nurse who's working with the very, very sick babies, he or she has a different skill set than, let's say, an ER nurse. So they are not interchangeable in many ways, although we have tried and, you know, stretched that, right? So you're working these longer shifts, you're working more hours, you're, you know, being pulled into arenas that are not your, your arena, right? That leads to increased exhaustion. That can lead to other types of illness in these healthcare workers. Um, and, and that working under that exhaustion can, in some cases, lead to increased medical errors, which is not what any one of us wants. And what all of that bottom line translates to for the patient, a longer wait time. So a longer wait time in the ER, a longer wait time to be admitted to a hospital. Um, you know, and I'll share a story with you all that I had a gentleman who was very, very sick with COVID infection. And um, there were no beds anywhere. So I was in working in Alabama. I called 
from the most northern part to the most southern part of Alabama and on, you know, north, south, east, west. There were no beds to be had for this this gentleman. I called up to Tennessee, several places up to Nashville, which is in the middle. No beds to be found. And then I called here in Georgia, you know, several places, no beds to be found. So basically this, this gentleman had to wait for hours and hours and hours. It was a long time, like many, many hours before a bed even became available for us to transport him to. And this gentleman was very, very sick. And, you know, things could have gone, gone south for him at any moment while we were waiting to get him to a higher level of care and to more specialized care. So that is what is happening on the ground in healthcare, right? And the majority of, of the infected healthcare workers, about 62.5%, are nurses. And, you know, I think that what I do as a doctor is important, but I will tell you, um, and, and, I, and I say this with all sincerity, that the nurses really, truly are the backbone of healthcare. That without them, it all grinds to a halt, right? And I say that without any of us, everybody playing their part, it all grinds to the halt, to a halt. But the nurses, especially, right? And so, shout out to all of my nurses out there. Love you guys, and and thank you so much for for what you all do um, for all of us. Then we also look into, you know, hospitals being full because if there are more people that are sick and more people being hospitalized, that's more people taking up beds. Well, so someone asked me, are hospitals really full, full? And so I explained to them what that means when we say that. So it's one of two scenarios, right? So either there really truly is every bed has a body in it, right? Or more commonly, there's not enough staff to take care of the patients that are there. So remember I talked about all these staff shortages? If we don't have enough staff to take care of the patients that are already there, we can't add more because that definitely creates a dangerous situation there. So, you know, once you get to, to those limits, you have to stop taking people so then you say, you know, my hospital's full. We don't have any more beds. We cannot take any more patients. So, you know, we definitely, we have been there and we have been existing um, under those strains. And so we definitely don't want any more of, of, of strain added to the existing strain. So what can I do? What can I do as, a, as an individual person? right? So of course, you want to continue to wear your mask, you want to continue to wash your hands, you want to continue to kind of be careful about where you go and who you are around. And more importantly, you know, you want to get vaccinated. And you know, we have talked about uh, vaccine deliberation, or as some people call it, vaccine hesitancy, vaccine resistance, whatever you want to call it, folks that are just not getting vaccinated for one reason or another. Um, You know, and so I once again, want to encourage people to, you know, do your research from a trusted source, from a reputable source, and make the decision that is best for you. Because what I I truly don't want to see, I don't want to see any more people dying from COVID. 
you know, I have seen, you know, being a frontline worker in the ER, I have seen the tremendous devastation that this virus has brought to the very small communities that I am proud to serve in. And then, of course, knowing how this ripple effect happens over over this entire country, over this entire world. So, you know, do consider getting vaccinated. Um, if you are already vaccinated, please get your booster. Um, and if a fourth vaccine boost becomes part of the requirement, get that too. You know, I'm, I'm signing up for it. I'm, I'm like, can I sign up for that now? Can I, can I, can I pre-register for my booster? Because I most certainly would do it. Now, as the holidays are approaching, can you still travel? Perhaps. So what you want to do is check with your state department or your airline, um, you know, at your destination, you know, for your destination as to whether you can still travel to that destination and also check what the requirements will be for you to return back to the United States uh, from wherever you are traveling. Alrighty, moving into our vitamin C as we close out today's session. So in, in thinking about um, Omicron and, and, and just COVID in general, you know, I, I thought about, am I my brother's keeper? So when we talk about being your brother's keeper, the reference is to the biblical story of the brothers Cain and Abel. And Cain was very jealous of Abel. Uh, and that jealousy led him to kill his brother. So Cain killed Abel, right? And didn't say anything about it. So afterwards, he was asked by God, where is Abel? And Cain replied that he didn't know. Lying, but he knew. But anyway, and then went further and said, am I my brother's keeper? And basically what he was saying in that is that my brother is not my problem. Now, we all know that Cain clearly was not his brother's keeper, but we cannot be like Cain, right? Our brothers and sisters are our problem. And particularly at this time of year, we focus a lot on those who are in need. And it is the thing, it is the good thing. And, and I say for myself as a Christian, it is the Christian thing to do. But just from being a decent human being, it is the decent human being thing to do to be your brother's keeper. So my answer is yes. Yes, I am my brother's keeper. And I thought about this more and more during the pandemic on a lot of different levels that we all need to be our brother's and sister's keeper by doing our part to protect ourselves, to protect our families, to protect our communities uh, from COVID. And then also just to help ourselves out because as we know, there are a lot of people that are having a hard time in a lot of different ways. And this pandemic has just kind of put a spotlight on all of those strains. So in being our brother's keeper, we really are being our own keeper because we are someone's brother too. So if we are keeping a brother, maybe there is a brother that is keeping us. Thank you so much for tuning in with me today. I look forward to every Thursday. Next Thursday will be our last broadcast for 2021. And we're going to take another holiday break and we'll come back with 
more good stuff for you all in 2022. So until we meet again, be good to yourselves, be good to each other. Take care. This is Dr. Carissa. Thanks for joining me this week on Medical Minutes with Dr. Carissa. Join me next week for more comfortable yet in-depth conversation. Have a great week. Thank you.